0: Hello, and welcome to episode 127 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Hello, my name's Ian Anderson Gray, and welcome to episode 127 of the Confident Live Marketing Show. In today's show, it's Ask Me Anything, it's a QA special. Right, let's get on with the show. But first, Out, yeah. looks, looks like, like it's time, time
1: for, something for something completely BT. Ask me, ask me anything, it's a Q&A special Ask me, ask me anything, it's a Q&A special On this podcast for today, I'm answering all your questions Just make sure that they're related, please, to live video Ask me, ask me anything, I love to hear your questions Ask me, please, just anything, I'm feeling rather helpful Microphones and webcams, please, and live video streaming tools Just anything to help you stream, that is my dream
2: Welcome to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray.
1: Helping you level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of confident live video.
2: Optimize your mindset and communication, and increase your confidence in front of the camera.
1: Get confident with the tech and gear,
0: and get confident with the content Content and marketing.
2: Marketing. Together, we we can go live. live!
0: Well, hello, hello, hello. This is episode 127 of the Confident Live Marketing Show. This is Ask Me Anything, a Q&A special. This episode today is sponsored by Restream. Now, I want to let you know about a really cool new feature... The sponsors that I have on the show, by the way, I only have sponsors on the show that I really believe in. And I've used Restream for years and years and years. I use it with um, either Restream Studio, which allows me to go live through the browser, or I go live via Ecamm. Ecamm Live is a Mac-based live streaming tool. And then that sends the, the video to Restream. And then that sends it out all to those different channels. And of course I can see all the comments. So I can see all these amazing comments from all you amazing people. And so I love all of those features, but there is such a cool thing that they've launched and it's called Restream Pairs. Now you can bring on a guest onto your show. Uh, You can bring in multiple guests onto your show, which is great. And one of the, the cool things about that is when you bring on a guest, Hopefully, they're going to do a good job of promoting your show. So if you're going live to YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn, they will hopefully share that out. And so you're not just reaching your audience, you're reaching your guest's audience as well. But what if you could go live not just to your channel? So I normally go live to my Facebook Uh, Page, my YouTube channel, my LinkedIn. I also go live to Twitch and Twitter and all those places. But what if you could also go live to your guests' channels so you could somehow go live to their YouTube channel, their Facebook, their Twitter, and all that kind of stuff? Well... You can with a new feature called Restream Pairs. It is amazing. Here's a little bit more about it. Get started. Let's first create our
2: Restream event. From here, you'll want to click Events from the left hand side of your dashboard. Now, click Create Event. For the live stream type, we'll choose Schedule a Live Stream. Now, we'll go ahead and enter in all of our stream data, including the title, description, date, and add a custom thumbnail. Once that's finished, it's time to select which of your personal channels this event will go live to. Once that's done, click Create Event. Now, here comes the part where we invite our guests via Restream Pairs. To do that, click Invite Guests on the event we just created and make sure Allow Guests to stream this event to their channels is checked. Now, copy the link and send it over to the guest you want to be able to stream on their own channels. For this stream, I want to invite my friend, Grace, so I'll go ahead and send her the link now.
3: Oh, thanks, Randy. Perfect. So on my end, all I need to do is make sure that I'm logged into my Restream account and open the link that Randy sent me. So once I open the event, I will be able to see all of the event details and easily click on Join and Stream to My Channels. After clicking, I'll be able to select exactly which of my channels to stream on. Now let's go ahead and save these choices. As you can see, the event has been added to my dashboard. So now I'll be able to see and join this event when it's time to go live. As usual, guests can set their own names and emojis. And once I'm ready to go live, I just click join stream.
2: Ah, there she is.
3: Hey, Grace. Hey, Randy. Ready to go live?
2: I sure am. I'm going to be going out to my YouTube and Facebook channels. What about you?
3: I've got my Facebook channels, my LinkedIn and Twitter all keyed up and ready to go.
2: Awesome, this is gonna be a great stream.
0: Well, I can't wait to play around with this. I've not properly tested it yet. This works with Restream Studio. So when I uh, next bring a guest into Restream Studio, I'm gonna be playing around with that. So let me know what you think of that. And if you want to sign up for Restream, if you want to get uh, a whole month free, all you need to do is go to iag.me forward slash Restream. That's iag.me forward slash Restream. So let's have a look at the comments. And Dewey asked this question earlier. What are your best on air confidence tips? Great question. First thing is don't necessarily be afraid of the fear so if you are feeling a little bit nervous beforehand and scared that's actually a good thing as long as you do the right thing with it and I'll explain what I mean by that so if you don't feel anything if you feel really like lethargic before you go live that's not great because probably what will happen is as soon as you press that go live button it will either all go wrong or you won't have the energy. So the first thing that might happen is that you suddenly realise how nervous you are and everything goes wrong. Or if you are just so chilled out, then you might not have the energy to actually get through that live and be able to connect with your audience. So if you're feeling that nervous energy beforehand, that's the key to turn it into excitement and into that energy in front of the camera so a few things that you can do you could jump up and down do some physical exercises I tend to do that I, I will stretch up to the ceiling I will uh, do some uh, I, d- I don't really do this but you could I know somebody who does star jumps uh, or jumping jacks whatever you want to call them before uh, they go live so some physical exercises are, are really good but don't try and necessarily chill out. Try and turn that nervous energy into excitement. Uh, the second thing is just having a plan. If you know what you're going to be talking about, then it's going to be you're going to be much more confident. So make sure that you have a plan, you know what you're going to say. You put the first thing and the last thing of what you're going to say, the first couple of sentences, because a lot of us suffer from brain mush syndrome. So that's the other thing, you know, prepare and plan. The third thing is the tech. Just make sure that the tech, you are testing it. You've tested all the tech. You've tested the internet. You've tested your microphone because that is a really easy way to lose your confidence halfway through if the tech goes wrong. Now, sometimes the tech will go wrong even if you've tested it. And that's just the unfortunate truth. It's happened to me. So you just have to keep going. Okay, let's have a look. ITV says, how is your new house, new studio setup going? It's going really well. So I talked about this recently uh, on the show. I, I talked about my new, new studio setup, but there was one big problem that I had, and that was that my laptop, my MacBook Pro that I bought back in, well, it was technically at the end of 2016. I'm not going to go through all the the woes that I've had with it. Uh, I was very pleased. I think it was the right thing to do to, to get it. But I've ha- I had lots of technical problems with it originally. And then they replaced it. So I now have, it's technically a 2018 model. But for some reason, the last six months, it's just got really, really slow. It's overheating. And I've had lots of tech problems. And so I knew that I needed to bite the bullet and buy an M1 Mac. And so I decided to get the Mac Mini, the M1 Mac Mini. And it's just been amazing. Everything I fling at it, it just goes, no problem. It just just is absolutely amazing. And so that, from a confidence point of view, is just amazing. I just knew that I would turn up this morning and it would work really well. And... I don't have that stress anymore. So that's been great. The standing desk is amazing. I love that. Is it all perfect? No, it isn't. And what uh, the next few things that I want to focus on, because I'm a massive believer in bootstrapping your live video studio, is it's never going to end in one sense. But the next stage for me is to get a, a an ex- extended hard drive. So I'll get an external hard drive for my MacBook Pro, get an SSD. I'm looking at probably four terabytes because I've got a lot of video stuff that I need to store. So that's the next thing then after that, I'm looking at getting an ultra widescreen monitor. My thinking here is that it's going to go underneath my teleprompter on my teleprompter at the moment. I've, I've got a little tiny monitor that flips, it flips around and I can see myself or my guest on the screen. I can also see my teleprompter uh, words, my notes, but the uh, the ultra widescreen, I'm hoping, will go underneath that. I'll be able to fit in a lot of stuff on there, such as I'll be able to share my screen. I can have the chat and I can and do all that kind of stuff. So that's that's the next thing. And then after that, I'm looking at getting another camera as well. So yeah, it. but I'm really happy. I'm really happy with the background, uh, some things that I need to, to do about that. But I'm, I'm really happy about that. So uh, yeah. And uh, challenge ITV also asks a question: Do you have a special checklist for preparing your live stream task to do? I absolutely do, and this is something I recommend that everyone does. I was talking about that to Dewi earlier about you know confidence, and so you've got your you've got your run of show, you've got your your notes, and so you know exactly what you're going to be doing during the show. But there's the preparation beforehand, the tech that you need to set up. And on my checklist are things like checking my internet speed, checking my internet is working, checking my microphone is working, restarting my computer before I go live. Because as we all know, restarting your computer solves 99.9% of all known problems. <laughs> I kind of jest, but it is it is kind of true. Closing down things like uh, Dropbox, which I've just realised I haven't done. Just making sure that you're going through all those tech Things in your checklist before you go live so so important uh anita anita morrow hello anita hope you're doing well uh this is quite a big question i like this so what is the best video sequence funnel for promoting an upcoming virtual co-working membership based launch our niche woo woo entrepreneurs I love that. Woo-woo entrepreneurs, teachers, entrepreneurs, leaders, experts, and healers, and coaches who are working on growing their small businesses. Wow. That's a big question. And I, you know, I'm, I'm hesitating because I don't necessarily think there is the best, like I, I, you know, there's not a one size, certainly not a one size fits all, Thing, But let's for upcoming virtual co-working membership-based launch. Well, it really depends on where your audience is and where they're based. But I tell you one thing that's worked really well for me and I think would work really well for you. As the tickets go on sale, go live every day. And this will depend where your people are. But if you've got a group, go live there. If you've got a Facebook page, go live there on Twitter. Use a tool like Restream. And just turn up and be visible and answer people's objections. So what are the top reasons, Anita, why people are not signing up for your upcoming virtual co-working membership-based launch? What is it about it? What is it? I don't know whether it's free or whether it's paid. I I assume it's paid. So why should people sign up? What, What are their objections? What are they going to get? Uh, but don't think about the positives, think about the negatives that people are, are at, uh, the questions that they are asking and answer those on there. Uh, for example, like for me, Woo Woo we Entrepreneurs, I love that title, I think it's great. But what is it that you are actually doing and what is the transformation that your audience are going to get out of it? That's what you need to be doing Go live every single day for a week in, in the group. Make it really, really easy for people to ask questions and to sign up. But don't forget all the other traditional ways of marketing, such as email, social media marketing as well. So I hope that helps. If you've got any more specific questions, Anita, let me know. Katie Simpson, how to make my slides appear within the overlay properly with one monitor? So... Yeah, this kind of depends on how you're doing your slides. So one thing that I've done today, for example, is I've downloaded my slides as a PDF. And this is the easiest way. Now, if this will not work if your PowerPoint or Keynote slides have lots of, I don't know, animated stuff on it. But if if it's just static slides, download it as a PDF And then you've got full control over the size of it. And so to give you an example, here you go on the screen. This is a PDF. And so actually I can resize this. You can, uh, on the screen, what I'm doing is I'm making it smaller uh, and I'm making it bigger. I've got this just under my overlay layer. That's why it's called an overlay. And so I can then just adjust it. And then I can go through my slides like this. So... That's what I would suggest. Now, if you are doing it on PowerPoint or Keynote, the way I would do it, it's difficult if you have one monitor, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I i would have two monitors, but uh, what you have to do <laughs> is somehow find a part of the monitor that doesn't have anything else on it. So in Keynote or, or PowerPoint, you can view the slides as a window. So go into the settings and view as a window, not as full screen, and then do it that way. Uh, uh, or the, the other option is you can do it full screen. It's just that you can't then see if you're using, for example, Restream or Ecamm Live. It just makes it a bit more difficult to see what's on the screen. So you that's where something like a Stream Deck will, will make a lot of use because you can then just change change the scene using your stream deck without having to see what's on Ecamm Live or OBS Studio or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know whether that, that helps, Katie, but yeah, that's that's what you can do. Alternatively, you can buy second monitors relatively cheaply. I bought a 1080p monitor for my kids for about £80. That's not nothing, but it's not mega expensive either. Is it the best monitor in the world? No, but you could use that, for example, for your slides. And so that might be something to consider as well. Challenge ITV says, I want to try with you, Ian. I am using I am using Restream for a year now. Yeah, we should test that out, uh, Restream Pairs, and see if that works. That'd be really cool. Uh, love that idea. Shonich is here. Great to see you, Shonich. Hope you're doing really well. Hope the flooding in Belgium didn't affect you too badly. So your question is, when does it get a point when you where your business is growing and you don't have time to fill Buffer, create content, respond to standard queries. What are helpful tips in terms of managing this workflow? What are the signs you need some outside help? And how do you go about getting that? Shonich, that is such a good question. So let me just unpack that. You're talking about Buffer. This is a social media... Well, it's not really a social media management tool. It's a social scheduler, social... Sh- scheduler. (laughs) And so this allows you to schedule your social media content out to say Facebook, Twitter, or whatever like that. Now that buffer helps with that. But of course, then you need somewhere else to be able to respond to people's questions and things like that. And so if you aren't getting the time to do that, or you're finding it just a real drag and it's taking away from your business then you've kind of, in a sense, answered your question. It is time to do something about that. If you are being dragged away from parts of your business that you should be focusing on, you need to do something about it. You know, there are, I think this was Chris Ducker, talks about three, I can't remember exactly what uh, what how he describes this, but three roads to freedom or sort of thing, or three lists. And basically, you need to write down a list of all the things that you're not good at that you're spending too much time on, all the things that you are good at, but you shouldn't really be spending time on. And then finally, all the things that you are good at and you should absolutely be spending time on. And the first two lists you should be delegating, absolutely, especially the stuff that you're not good at and that you're spending time on. But even the stuff that you are good at and that you are spending time on, you need to delegate that stuff. Now Obviously, the issue here is comes down to money, because if you're going to delegate it, then that's going to cost money potentially. There are two things on it. So what I would say to you, first of all, is there a way that you can optimise your workflow? So what, what kind of content are you putting into Buffer? I would say spend... 15 minutes, half an hour, twice a week, putting in that content into Buffer. That's an hour a week. That's not a huge amount of time. And so if you can get to a stage where you are just spending that time, it's optimized for you to be able to spend that time doing that. So that's that's the first thing. In terms of responding to standard inquiries, then have a list of FAQs or, or saved replies. Now, I would recommend using a tool like Agora Pulse. So that would be one thing that you could consider doing. Move from Buffer over to Agora Pulse. Agora Pulse is a lot more expensive, but it has features such as saved replies in there. So you can copy and paste, well, not copy and paste it, you just click the standard reply. So if people are saying, What time do you open? Are you open at the weekend? Then you can just click on that and it will add that to the reply. But if, if you don't have that, then just have uh, a note, a notepad so that you can copy and paste into, into Buffer or tw- or Twitter or whatever it is that you are using. The final thing to think about really is to hire somebody and it doesn't need to be expensive. You could hire a virtual assistant to do this. They don't need to be full time. Tonya my uh, virtual assistant is not full time, but she works about 25 hours a month for me. And you can hire a VA anywhere in the world. So there are pros and cons with different parts of the world in terms of hiring people, depending on where you're based. But that would be something else that I would consider. So I hope that helps, Janic. Let me know how you uh, get on with that and if you've got any other questions. Melissa, question, is 20 minutes the right time for podcasts or more? That's a great question. Like, How long should your podcast be? And kind of the answer is well, how long's a piece of string? It's it's not like a simple answer to that. It kind of depends. There are some podcasts that are really short, and there are podcasts that are really long. So some of the podcasts that I listen to are like one and a half hours to two hours long, and I love them. They they, they just go into so much detail. The, this podcast is anywhere between half an hour and an hour, and it kind of will vary. Are you able to fill twenty minutes of time? with quality content? Or are you always running out of time and maybe you need to spend more time on it? There are some podcasts that will have an hour episode and then I'll have a five minute episode, which is like a short summary and then go back to an hour episode and then a five minute short summary. I know that my good friend uh, Janet Murray is doing a, like a half, I think it's half hour episode followed by a shorter episode. And so, yeah, it, it, It really depends. You've also got to think about your audience. A lot of people will listen to podcasts on the commute. However, over the last year, a lot of people haven't been commuting and so might have more time. And so, Melissa, I'm kind of aware. I'm not really answering your question. It kind of just depends. And I think you need to work out what works for you, what works for your audience, and just do it that way, whatever works. There is no perfect time for podcast lengths. I do anywhere between half an hour and an hour, and that works really well for me. Now, I love this question from Barbara. What is a podcast and where do you find it and how do you access it? Now, in some ways, this seems like a really simple question, but this is the kind of thing that we should all be thinking about when producing a podcast or a live show. The assumption is that everyone knows what a podcast is. Everyone knows what a live show is. There are some people out there that do not know what a podcast is. And so this reminded me that on the show, for example, I don't actually often let people know how to subscribe to my podcast or what a podcast is. So a podcast is a piece of audio only content and you can subscribe to it. Now, I'll explain a little bit more about the whole subscription thing in a minute and why that's changed. Subscribe, first of all, is generally podcasts are free. You don't pay for them. There are some paid for podcasts, but generally it's free. And so when you subscribe to it, you go to an app on your, usually on your phone or in your computer, and you find the podcast and then you subscribe to it. And then every time a new episode comes out, you'll be notified that it's there. There are lots of apps for this. There's Apple Podcasts, if you're on the on iPhone. There's Spotify. There's Google Podcasts. There's lots of different places. And so you download the app and then you just follow it there. And that is the new word that we should be using. Apple doesn't want us to use the word subscribe anymore. We want to follow a podcast. And the reason for that is because Apple have now given us the ability to pay to subscribe to certain Podcasts. So, if you want to subscribe to my podcast, the easiest place to do, place to go is iag.me forward slash podcast. And on that page, I've got loads of links that will allow you to subscribe or follow my podcast. So, you've got uh, you can do that in Apple Podcasts and Spotify, in Pocket Casts, which is the app that I use. And so, that's what I would recommend that you. You can search for podcasts in these apps. I I highly recommend Pocket Casts, but there's Overcasts, there's Apple Podcasts. And so, yeah, just search for for the podcast and subscribe to it or follow it that way. I don't know whether Katie's still in the house. In fact, Katie might be. She says, ah, okay, thank you. Uh, So you actually asked this question last time. And so I'm going to answer it again. I don't think I answered this on the show I do for restream, but I thought it was a great question. So tips about using a microphone. Well, would be good. I keep, Popping into mine and banging it. I know I need a shock mount and a better pop filter, but uh, a lot of people don't know if they should speak directly into it and what angle and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's just such a good question, Katie, because it kind of depends on the microphone. Uh, This microphone that I'm using, the Heil PR40, which I know is the one that you're using, you speak directly into the end of it. Now, I've got it on a boom arm, which is connected to my desk. So I can move this out of the way. I've just got it. What the important thing here is that you angle it so that it's directly into your mouth and you are probably a couple of inches away. If it's a dynamic microphone, you need to be very close to it. and But it needs to be at an angle where you don't bump into, the, into it with your hands if you gesticulate a lot. And so it, it's really about the angle. now. If you have another type of microphone, like a condenser microphone, like the Blue Yeti microphone, you don't speak into the top of it. You speak into the front of it. Well, it kind of depends on the settings, but you speak into the front of it. And so you need to be careful where you angle it again. So it's really down to angles. And ideally, you have a boom arm as well. Uh, a shock mount is optional. But the shock mount, what that does is if you, if you do bang so if I... If I bang my uh, boom arm, if I bang my desk, hopefully that's not coming through into the microphone. Whereas quite often if I, if if uh, people have a microphone that's just on their desk and they're typing, that bumping sound comes into the microphone and you can hear it. So yeah, I hope that, I hope that answers your question, Katie. Uh, Katie, I was just explained to someone yesterday what a podcast is. A a lot of people still don't know. And I think it's important. Don't just assume everyone knows. Don't just assume everyone knows what a live show is. I mean, when people ask me, Ian, so what what do you do? What's your job? And then I say, oh, well, I help entrepreneurs go live on YouTube and Facebook and they have no idea what I'm talking about. So then I have to try and explain. I recommend that you do this on a regular basis, that you explain what you do in your business to somebody who knows nothing about the industry. And explain what a live show is in a podcast to somebody who does not know anything about that. If you can explain it in an easy to understand way, then you will understand it perfectly, I think. So thank you, Katie, for that. Okay, so this is a question from Vivek Nair who says, what's the benefit of using a mixer for a live show? So a mixer is totally optional. It's definitely not the first thing that I would look at when uh, looking at equipment for your studio. The first thing I would look at, computer is so, so important. Uh, Microphone, really important too. The audio is important. Your internet speed is important as well. Mixer is far down the line. It's totally optional. I don't use probably about 80% of my uh, Rodecaster Pro. I use the audio processing in there. So that optimizes my voice, it gets rid of background noise and that kind of thing. So that's great. But... Pretty much all of the other levels are down at zero. I've got my computer sound, so I can play things like this that can come through. I can adjust the sounds of music, and so that's really that. Those are the advantages. If you've got sounds and music like this um, or effects, then you can you can do that from your mixer, and so. I do always recommend if people are wanting to level up their audio, go for the RODECaster Pro. But it's not really... Most of that is not for the mixer part of the RODECaster Pro. So really, the benefits are if you have people, more than one person in your studio that you want to put in, you want to mix the levels, and if you want to record uh, locally onto it as well, uh, then all of those are really good reasons. If you want to record directly from your computer and and adjust all the levels, then those are some really good reasons for getting a mixer. For a live show, you can't really do any post-processing. You can't because it's live. So you have to do everything live. The processing of your audio has to be done live. The levels have to be done live. And so it is useful to have a physical device to do that. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, let's move on uh, to this question from Grace, Grace is from uh, Restream, a good friend of mine, met at Social Media Marketing World. We had, uh, what did we have? Was it a, a Mexican meal somewhere in San Diego with you and uh, Jeff C? I don't know, well, you're not watching live because it's far too early in the morning in the US. But uh, what information and details do you provide guests to make sure they come to your show prepared and tech ready? Do you have an email template Absolutely, I do. Particularly if you've got non-techie guests on your show. It sounds awful, but you need to treat your guests like total idiots. And the guests I have on my show are not total idiots. But I just know that I'm a total idiot sometimes, quite often actually. I know that I have to treat myself like an idiot. And so I have to treat my guests like an idiot. And so you need to make sure that you make it really super simple. You give them a list of things that they need to do before you go live with them and make it really simple. So I would say four things. Make sure you click on this link. Uh, make sure your microphone is working and your webcam is working. Just make it as simple as possible, a checklist. And so I have a guest checklist that I send to all of my guests. And then I send them a couple of emails to remind them because let's face it, a lot of people were not going to read that. And so you need to make sure that they understand this is a live show. It's not a podcast. So make sure that you turn up knowing that this is a live show. Make sure that you testing everything before you go live. And this is really important. If you have a guest that isn't that tech savvy make sure that you have a little test run with them uh, so that they feel comfortable with what they're doing. And when it comes to actually the day of you going live, make sure that they are using the same equipment as when you did the test as well. That is so, so important. Katie says, I think you show how good the podcast... The Roadcaster Pro is. I can't get my words out today. Yeah, uh, just... The quality of the audio is great. It's totally optional. It's something that I would say is is further down the line. It's not cheap, but the Rodecaster Pro is definitely part of my main kit now, uh, and I love it. Uh, right, let's have a look at the the next question. So, oh, this is from Deb Deb Mitchell from Agora Pulse, who says, "Totally want to do a podcast. I can't wait." To, uh, to find out more about your podcast, Deb. Uh, thinking of using Zoom to record it, uh, what advice can you give for me for, for what happens after the interviews are done? So yeah, so Zoom is a quick and easy way. It's an easy way to record a podcast because let's face it, over the last year and a half, most people are used to using Zoom. So from a onboarding point of view for your guests, it's dead easy. You give them a Zoom link, they kind of know what to do. They click on it and they're okay. But still, Zoom is not the best system for uh, recording a podcast because the the quality isn't quite as good. And so I would use a different tool. I would use, I mean, personally, I would use either Restream Studio or I would use Ecamm Live because it gives you the ability to record your guest's audio and your audio separately. Uh, and that just means that if you're, if you have a coughing fit halfway through, you can edit that bit out. So that's the first thing I would use that. There's also Riverside FM is is a good tool as well. I assume that you're going to be doing a lot of live video as well. So it's good to have a, a tool that does everything. So either Restream Studio or Ecamm Live is what I would do. Once you've done that, you then need to edit it. Now you either edit it yourself or you get someone to edit it afterwards. Personally, I think it's a good idea to start editing it yourself. You'll get a good idea of what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong, and you can get better at what you're doing. Get better get you can become a better interviewer as well. And so you can edit it. There's lots of different platforms out there. The one I'd probably recommend is Descript. So you just pop the the audio files into Descript. You can do your guest and you can do your audio and your guests' audio in there and then you can just edit it using just by editing the words because the script transcribes it for you. Uh, and so that's what I would do. And then, of course, you will then want to turn it into a podcast. We've talked about that on the show. So once you've got the MP3 and you've got the beginning and the end, uh, the intro and outro, that you can then upload it to your podcast host. I recommend Captivate FM for that. So if you go to iag.me forward slash go forward slash Captivate, then you can sign up for that. It's a really, really good tool. Cool. Okay, I think we have time for one more question, which is, oh, it's from Katie again. <laughs> How do I make my run of show easy to crop for podcast? How do I structure the show so it's easy to then repurpose into the podcast? I think that's kind of what you're saying. And so the way I do it on this show, which is not the only way of doing it, is I have the, have the live segment and then I start again afresh. I will introduce the show again. So I'll introduce myself, introduce the show, that is when the podcast starts and then I'll play the intro and I go through the show. Now my friend Jeff C on his social media news live show, he will record the the podcast until towards the end when he stops it and then he has a live segment at the end. I prefer having the live segment at the beginning but you can have it at the end. So just structure it so that it's both a live show and a podcast Uh, And just be aware that for the main section, this has got to be a piece of evergreen content that's going to work for your replay audience. If you've got a lot of live viewers, then you might want to have a live segment at the end so you can answer their questions and have a a bit more of a party atmosphere. So yeah, hope that answers your question, Katie. And I think I'm going to answer one more question. This is from Grace, because I love this question. I'd love to know from you, if you've ever struggled with this, how do you politely, I love that Grace. stop an incessant talker, especially someone who rambles. Well, I have to admit, I've not really suffered from this. I think most of my guests have been great. But I think a lot of the time, you'll probably know your guest and you will maybe know that this is potentially going to happen. What I would suggest that you do is, just to say beforehand, if you know that they are an incessant talker, that we've only got a short amount of time. So apologies if I butt in. It's not trying to be rude. It's just we need to kind of move on to the next thing. So just you're setting the scene for you potentially having to interrupt them. uh, And then... The, the the other thing to think about, that this this works really well if you're using a tool like Restream Studio or Ecom Live, is that if they are talking, your guest is talking, then you can go over to just them on the screen. It's a solo view. Like at the moment, it's just me on the screen. But when you're wanting them to stop, you can then move to split screen. So it's you and your guest. And if they still haven't got the hint, then just go to you and then just say Sorry, can I just interrupt? We Can you just, I just need to clarify, or can we move on to this? Don't be afraid to interrupt. You know, it's your show, and you've got to be aware of the most important person on your live show, which isn't your guest, and it's certainly not you. You're, the most important person on your show is your audience. So you've got to think about them. And if your guest is going on and on and on and on, not delivering value, then you're or, and, and maybe in, in some cases, actually, your guest is just nervous and so keeps on speaking and speaking and speaking. And actually, you're doing them a favor if you interrupt them because they just kind of don't know how to stop. So just be aware of that as well. They're not necessarily doing it because they like the sound of their own voice. Um, so think about that. Uh, Katie says, thank you. It's a pleasure. Poor Grace with a rambler. I don't know whether that was a, a personal experience from Grace, but maybe. I don't know. Well, there were actually loads more questions, but I'm aware of the time today. And actually, my father-in-law is downstairs uh, and needs some help with putting a blind up downstairs. So all these things with the new house. So I feel I need to go and help him uh, because it would, it's the right thing to do. Even though I'm absolutely rubbish. At DIY. Well, just a reminder that next episode, so this is on Thursday, if you are watching the, uh, the the video, or it will be next Friday if you are listening. I've got my friend Phil Michonne on the show, who is amazing. We're going to be talking about how to create memorable events. Can't wait for that. But... Thank you so much for plugging me into your ears. Until next time, I encourage you to level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of Confident Live Video. See you soon. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson-Gray.
0: Make sure you subscribe at iag.me
2: forward slash podcast so you can continue to level up your impact, authority, and
0: profits through the power of live video.
1: And until next time. Toodaloo. Ask me, ask me anything, it's a Q&A special Ask me, ask me anything, it's a Q&A special On this podcast for today, I'm answering all your questions Just make sure that they're related, please, to live video Ask me, ask me anything, I love to hear your questions Ask me, please, just anything, I'm feeling rather helpful Microphones and webcams, please, and live video streaming tools Just anything to help you stream, that is my dream